No fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Well, I'd like to welcome everyone to Talking Bass in PDX, the forum in the Northwest where we talk fishing and bass fishing in the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark, and I'll be your host. I'd like to welcome everybody aboard to this special broadcast as we're going to be talking about uh, Silver Lake, and we're going to be talking bass, and we're going to be talking some crappie fishing on this particular episode. As we get underway, I do want to remind everybody that if you enjoy this podcast, let your friends know. Let them know that we can be found on Spotify, Anchor FM, iTunes, and many other platforms. As we get ready for this podcast, I'd like to introduce Tony Fanna. Tony lives up in Silver Lake, Washington, and grew up on the West Coast. He was fishing the lakes and streams around Big Bear and Mammoth Mountain, and then started fishing, surf fishing the shores of Huntington Beach. But as a teenager, he took trips to Catalina Island to catch yellowtail and halibut. He spent several summers on the on the East Coast, fishing the rivers and streams in Vermont and New York, catching rainbow and brown trout. Eventually, he left California and moved up to Florida. He spent three years out on the islands out there, catching sunfish and tuna. Eventually, he got his Ph.D. in catching bass out in the Florida area. Back in 1998, he moved to Washington and became and began catching steelhead and salmon and quickly found that it was an obsession. He noticed that he was catching more salmon and steelhead than the average guy and decided that he would open his own guide service. Well, in addition to fishing for cold water fish, he also, because he lives up in Silver Lake, he started fishing for crappie and for bass. Tony, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for having me. Well, I was really happy to have you on. I know that uh, you have helped out the Oregon Bass and Panfish Club in the past, but I wanted to get you on the podcast because uh, I know that as we go into the winter and into the a um, little bit colder months, I know that you switch your guiding service over to uh, bass trips and over to crappie trips on Silver Lake. And so I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about that and to let folks know out there that if they want to get a guided trip to catch crappie on Silver Lake, that you're the guy to, to contact. Now tell me, how did you get uh, fishing here in the Northwest? How did you start fishing for crappie and bass up at Silver Lake? I started camping uh, out near Tootle in Kid Valley, and I always drove by the lake uh, on my way to the beginning of uh, September 1st, marked the beginning of King Salmon on the Tootle. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, the Tootle River was uh, doing very well for King Salmon uh, in the month of September. And uh, after a couple of salmon seasons driving by the Silver Lake in the 1998, 1999, I decided to stop and fish, and and I just gradually kind of 
took a liking to fishing for the largemouth bass and 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 some of the other species in the lake and uh and over the years it just became more more of, of a tradition that I did uh leading up to uh the salmon season yeah, I mean, that's something you drive by, you look at a body of water, and I think any fisherman that drives by any body of water looks at it and says, you know, I wonder what's going on there. It it looks fishable to me, and so that's how you got your start. Now, tell me, now this is 22 years ago or so you started doing that. How did you start learning what the crappie like there and, uh, and kind of can you give me some information on how you got your education there? Uh, well, I started off like most people. I started off fishing along uh, Spirit Lake Highway where the lake meets the road. I started off uh, renting a small boat and um, kind of putting around the lake. Um, but over the years, I I pretty much figured out that for, for largemouth in particular, there's much more to the lake. There's more fishable areas than you think there are because of the dense vegetation and a lot of the floating uh, islands that are out there that are basically made up of reeds and cattails and, and matted vegetation. Uh, if And then by fishing in the fall, as a lot of this vegetation dies back and the water height raises due to the rain, you can get much further back in the pockets of the lake than you can in the summertime. And so... Silver Lake to me is primarily a spring uh, for largemouth. It's primarily a spring and a fall fishery for largemouth, and it's primarily a fall and winter fishery uh, for crappie. Uh, the crappie seem to kick off in the month of October if we have a decent cold snap and we have uh, more of the traditional Washington rain. If the rain holds out and we don't get a decent cold snap, snap in October, then it generally kicks off in November for crappie. Well, just to kind of, uh, just to kind of position that properly, we were there the uh, second to the last weekend in October, and this particular year we had frost on the uh, on the ground, so we've had our cold snap as far as I'm concerned. So. For those who want to go crappie fishing up there, it, it, it should start to be happening here pretty quick, if it's not already. Yeah, it's definitely, they're in full swing right now. And um, most, uh, you know, just take your average angler would have no problem catching some crappie. Some of the, mo the guys that or, you know, they're fortunate enough to have the time to go uh, almost every day. Those guys are going to have no problem getting their limit. Um, for us, when we take clients, uh, traditionally when coho salmon die down in uh, the month of December, kind of between coho salmon and the start of winter run steelhead, we'll start taking clients crappie fishing. And for us, we average 50 to 70 crappie, 9 to 15 inches long, in just four hours and we do that primarily by twitching double jigs two jigs set up 24 inches apart triple tail grubs tipped with bait and uh i i have quite the collection of crappie nibbles and then we cut up a lot of pieces of worms we'll bring crickets 
Um, but you got to keep your jigs tipped and you got to keep them moving. You can catch them on a bobber, but I have found that uh, getting letting go of the bobber and just free twitching is much more effective. Well, no, that's interesting. Now, I I watch the I was out there. I was uh, walking around in some different parts of the lake, and not in the lake, along the edge there. And most everybody that I saw was out there with a small bobber, um, maybe one hook. Now most of them were tipped with some uh, some sort of a bait, uh, but I didn't realize you 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 were using you are using a a, a double uh, jig type setup. So. So that gives you a much better chance, but I would imagine that if you're not jigging fast enough, you're going to end up with either a bluegill or a yellow perch. Am I right? Yeah, there's there's definitely a cadence to it, and you definitely have to use uh, very light-headed jigs, eighth ounce or uh, eighth. Eighth ounce would be the heaviest you'd want to go. You really want to keep your jigs light. So that they free fall very slowly, but the most folks are casting the bobber out with the single jig, and they're slowly swimming the bobber back, and they're waiting for the bobber to, to indicate that they're getting a strike, the, or they're let it sit for a little bit and kind of real pause, real pause. But the problem is the crappie are primarily they're not uh, swimming around like you might think they are. They're they're, they're staging to spawn, and they're very, very cold. And so they're they're basically suspended, and they're holding still. They're moving around a little bit, but for the most part, they're suspended, and they're holding still. And they can, they can strike lightning fast and spit your bait out very, very quickly. And so with the bobber, you're waiting for the – by the time you see the indicator and you react, more often than not, those folks are going to aver—they're going to lose way more than they catch. Versus with using light jigs, you're constantly twitching, and the jigs are dropping into the crappie's face, twitching, dropping into their face. And when you're on the up twitch, nine times out of ten is when you're going to get them. So before they have a chance to spit the bait, you're on the up twitch. You're already setting the hooks home, and we get a lot of doubles that way. So you can get two crappie at a time very often and wow, it's, it's far more productive um but for that reason we have to limit our time it, it, silver cove itself does allow day use for people to walk in they can pay to walk in and drive in and fish uh but mm-hmm. there is a, a time constraint those folks aren't allowed in i believe until eight o'clock in the morning that's correct uh, but but being in a boat we get in there at you know five thirty six o'clock in the morning so uh we're leaving uh usually uh within by 9 a.m so we're already out of there with our limit most folks are just getting started so uh it's not uh but yeah october you want to be around the any of the back coves of the lake any of the the far back as you can get in any cove or any inlet um any any canal uh, is where the crop you're going to be because the water tends to be more balanced in its temperature. It's not constantly fluctuating. The rest of the lake is subject to to wind, 
and higher volumes of rain and higher volumes of stream runoff, but the back canals tend to stay more of an, uh, an average temperature, which the crappie seem to like. Well, that makes sense that they would kind of move from, if, they're, if they are out in the lake, to move over into, uh, I guess, what would be more the east side into those coves area. When we were up there, uh, there is an, uh, an area that I particularly like that's um, uh, near the boat ramp for um, Silver Cove. Uh, however, on this particular trip, and I didn't understand why, uh, but the that particular cove was completely muddy. You, the water was just looked like chocolate milk. The rest of it, the rest of the uh, coves looked fine to me, but that one I fished it. I caught a couple of fish in there, but I really couldn't. Uh, couldn't catch very many, um, but I did move over to uh, one of the other longer uh, areas that's that's over near uh, Silver Cove. Of course, I was on the bank, and I and I, I was throwing a bobber with two jigs. And interestingly enough, I was throwing it out as far as I could throw, and reeling it back, not letting it sit, just kind of pulling it back, even though I had a bobber. And I was being pretty successful uh, with that. Uh, with that technique. So I can imagine with your uh, double jig technique, you probably would catch a lot more fish than I was catching. So that that's worth a try. Now, would that work off of the shore, or is it primarily more out of a boat where that would work? No, it works great off of the shore. And I there's definitely a also what you'll notice is a significant size increase in the amount of in the size of the fish you catch. Uh, twitching jigs without a bobber versus with a bobber. The bobber, it seems like it just, it, it, for some reason, the average smaller fish, if it's uh, the fast, the, the smaller fish are going to get to the bait first, and uh, the you have a higher, it seems like your odds are much better dropping, letting those jigs drop and twitch and drop and twitch, that they're going to land right in front of a bigger crappie in the 9 to 15 inch range. Uh, versus if you're kind of slowly swimming it along, the little guys are going to be able to get uh, to your bait a lot easier. But, um, no, you can do it from the bank, too. It is, oddly enough, uh, Silver Cove did host the WDFW uh, out there last year for a crappie seminar. And uh, to my surprise, because most of folks are traditional bobber fishermen, uh, WDFW taught the seminar without bobbers. They taught it twitching jigs. And uh, so uh, that kind of surprised me because I, it, it, I, everybody's such a traditional bobber fisherman, and I think people like seeing the bobber go under. But if you can, if, if you can just put the bobber down for a minute, I think you'd be surprised with the results. Well, it may come down to me booking a trip with you just so that I can figure out what you're doing. But um, tell me a little bit. Now, uh, like you said, you're not going to start your trips until December, January, uh, coming up, 2021, for Silver Lake. So tell me about a, a, a an average trip or how it all begins and what folks need to do if they want to go uh, out to Silver Lake and go fishing with you. Uh, traditionally, I like to have folks park over at Streeter's Resort. Uh, they tend to, it's located on the northeast, uh, side of the Silver Lake there. 
Um, I, I think it's a safer place for people to leave their vehicle. Uh, Streeters is an RV park, and they have a small general store, uh, restrooms, and uh, they've recently updated their docks so they're safe to get in and out of the, the boat. Um, we generally launch uh, one hour before sunrise, and um, we have all the rods rigged, all the bait is already prepped and ready to go. And uh, we have uh, nice LED lighting in the boat, and we give people hand warmers and headlamps. And we head out for about four hours of twitching to jigs. We use six-pound test line, uh, really lightweight rods, ultralight rods. And um, traditionally, uh, we poke around in some of the canals in the back inlet and uh, even the creek mouth uh, that's to the very northeast of the lake. Uh, can also be good. Um, and then uh, we're usually done by uh, 8 or 9 o'clock, and, and we head back and we clean the crappie up and bag the fish for, every, for the guests. And also Streeters offers uh, cabin rentals there. If you, uh, We work to deal with them, so if, they, if you go out with me, you get a discount. I think it's only like 50 bucks for uh, a cabin for the night before your trip. Oh, perfect. So if you're coming from the Portland area, maybe a little bit further south or uh, uh, north Seattle-Tacoma area, you come down to uh, to the Castle Rock exit there, which is exit 49, you're going to go to the east nine miles, and you're going to see the lake. But then that's nice that if Streeters, which is a small RV and a campground there that's that's uh, right on the edge of the lake. Um, if you uh, if you want a place to stay, of course you can bring an RV if you've got one. And then they've got some cabins too. Uh, I've actually stopped in there and talked with the folks uh, at Streeters. Seem like very very nice folks. So that'd be a great place to to stop and stay, and then uh, and then go out and uh, and go fishing with you now. There are, are some state regulations on uh, sizes and numbers of crappie that you can keep there at Silver Lake. So you, know, you want to make sure that you follow their regulation, which I believe is 9 inches uh, in length, and I believe you can only keep 10. Is that correct? Yeah, the state regulation is 10 crappie per person. Uh, they must be 9 inches in length. I always contribute my limit to the group that I take out. Uh, in, if we have sporadic rain, uh, any lake or river here in the Northwest can handle consistent rain. Uh, but if you, we have sporadic rain, it does dirty the water up quite a bit. And what you'll notice twitching jigs is you will get some foul hooked, uh, crappie. It just, it's part, it's part of the game. It doesn't matter whether you trick, uh, twitch jigs in the ocean or a lake or a river. Uh, when you're twitching the jig, you can sometimes bow hook fish, but uh, the freshwater regulations uh, are that as long as it's forward of the rear margin of the gill plate, that it is a legal uh, crappie. So um, most years, like right now, the water is very clear. It's very nice right now. Yeah, it's uh, our weather has uh, up here in the northwest has cleared up real nice and. Uh, it's just a, it's just been a great couple of weeks. Now, just for now, I know that when you take your your guest out for 
uh, a paid trip. I know that you have your own special places that you like to take them, and that we don't want to give too many of those away. But have you ever gone to the far west side of the lake? I believe there's some old railroad uh, ties or uh, railroad uh, areas that used to be out there. Have you ever gone out there and fished uh, for crappie or bass out in that area? Yeah, I traditionally fish those areas for largemouth bass in the spring and in the fall. Um, it seems like most of the white crappie uh, transition off of the main lake and into the northern northeast uh, corners of the lake in the late fall and, and winter time. But uh, yeah, in the spring and in the fall, the pilings uh, on the west or anywhere uh, near the um, even on the east side, there's uh, the southeast corner of the lake. There's a long uh, running uh, row of pilings that are still visible, but those can be very productive for bass. Yeah, they can be, and I've fished those uh, like for bass. I've tried for crappie, more productive for bass. Now, do want to caution anybody who's listening to this podcast and who wants to go to Silver Lake, if you do not know that lake, it is not a very deep lake. And you do not want to take out a crosser unless you talk to somebody about where the uh, shallows are at. Because uh, if you want to, if you want to contribute some some money to a uh, prop shop, go ahead and take off across there. Uh, last year, I was out there near those pilings, and I was on my trolling motor and ended up high centering my boat for a few seconds while I was looking around because I didn't see a piling right underneath me so I caution everybody who's listening be careful if you're if you're going to go up there because uh, there are some shallows and I'm assuming you have found many of those shallows areas also yeah I think high centering is probably the best case scenario when you're uh, when I started off on the lake I had that happen several times where I was using an electric trolling motor and there's the top of a piling that's just deep enough to where you can't see it, but it's shallow enough that the, the middle bottom of your boat uh, catches on it. Um, I do feel, yeah, the safety is definitely, there's never enough signage. Uh, there's definitely not enough signage at the public launch there off Spirit Lake Highway to, to warn folks. Uh, it's definitely not a lake that uh, people should feel comfortable just flying around anywhere at full speed. A prop uh, would be <laughs> best case scenario, uh, you know, but likely that if you're out there in a bass boat doing 30 to 50 miles an hour and you hit one of those pilings, you're probably going to end up much worse than that. So it's definitely worth going very slow and poking your way around and, and uh, working your way in with a trolling motor. Um, but because all those, uh, all that, those wood pilings are out there. It definitely creates a unique uh, flipping and pitching uh, environment uh, for a largemouth that's pretty productive. Well, and so far we've talked a lot about crappie fishing, and, and I hope that I've encouraged some folks, if they have not gone crappie fishing and they want to uh, try crappie fishing, to give you a call. We'll give all your information, and I'll have all your information in the show notes also, so we'll give it out here a couple times. Uh, but a trip on the lake for crappie fishing is great fun. Now, the other thing I highly recommend, if you're going to take a crappie trip uh, with Captain Tony, is 
bring the kids or bring the grandkids because there can't be any more fun than a productive fishing day. And I know that last year you took a group of, uh, of my friends out there, and it was very wet, very rainy, and you still had a very productive day. So, Tony, give everybody your contact information for crappie fishing, bass fishing, and we'll, we'll give it again at the end of the show. But how do they get in contact with you? The uh, best way to contact me is by phone. Uh, my number is 360-635-3627. Um, or you can look me up on Facebook uh, at uh, Real Fun Fishing PNW. So R-E-E-L-F-U-N Fishing PNW. Perfect. Real Fun Fishing Pacific Northwest. We have a Facebook page. We have a website at realobsessionfishingguideservice.com. Um, but, yeah, probably just giving me a call is probably the best way to get on the board for crappie, bass, or even uh, bow fishing for carp. Oh, and you also take folks bow fishing for, car- for carp. Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, that that's got to be an interesting trip out there, too. And that's that's out on Silver Lake also. Yes. Yep. Now this now these trips take place uh, December and January for um, for crappie, right? You know it depends on the year. Uh, you know a lot of times you can catch, you can catch the crappie pretty consistently all the way through March. It's just uh, the, it's all about how long the, uh, the the crappie really need that. They really enjoy the weather in the 30s and then the 40-degree range. So uh, as soon as we get too many days uh, in the 50-degree range, uh, it's, they tend to start heading out to the main lake. So um, if I wanted to, I could I could have started October 1st this year because the, just the weather came together perfectly. Uh, and as long as it stays cold, uh, we can be on them all the way through March. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I, I think it's underrated. I don't. I, I think if there's a family out there, it's become very popular with my clients with that have kids for their winter break. Uh, it's it, uh, most people have not fished with their family and caught fish at will. Every other cast is a crappie. I mean, then mo- then that's for everybody in the boat. Doesn't matter if it's grandma, grandpa, a five year old. Son, it does not matter. Uh, we've taken several trips, even with uh, some special needs folks, and it's it's once you find that that rhythm uh, with the twitching, ball in the wrist, uh, which most folks can get down very quickly. Uh, it's very productive. Well, that sounds like just a great a great trip because you know I know that the fishing there is. Um, productive let's put it that way and i know that you can catch fish but if you can get somebody who knows the water fairly well and sounds like that you do you'll get them on the fish and then once you get the technique down uh you can get after it now let's transition a little bit to bass fishing because really talking bass and pdx we should be talking bass fishing but you know once in a while i gotta i gotta go off the the highway there a little bit in the springtime, you, you put together a few trips for bass fishing, correct? Yeah, in the springtime, uh, it seems to be the 
spring and the fall tend to be the best for largemouth. Um, I primarily like to focus on um, structure, what, uh, any hard structure that's surrounded by uh, softer vegetation. And um, we like to flip and pitch creature baits. Um, it seems like the majority of the year, the, the largemouth, because Silver Lake is so shallow, they spend most of their time underneath the matted vegetation. Not underneath lily pads, but underneath the matted vegetation, which basically uh, you can't get to them at that point. So they spend the majority of the winter, the winter back underneath of there, and they will spend uh, any time there's a bad algae bloom in, in June or July, part of August. If we get a real bad algae bloom, they'll go deep underneath the mats because they're, uh, they can find a place out of the algae and uh, out of the elements. And uh, it's, it's living underneath of those mats that I think have triggered these bigger bass to be more creature-oriented. I think they're eating a lot of rats and mice and salamanders and bullfrogs. And I, the, these bass are not keyed in on bait fish. They're not keyed in on uh, as much on, is oddly, uh, they're not, feeding on crappie as much as they should be, but uh, you would think they would. But uh, for some reason, they're very creature-oriented. I think they feed a lot at nighttime. Um, and so, yeah, we like to start in the spring with... Uh, and uh, in the springtime, you can see a lot of the fry jumping. I've noticed uh, specifically on Silver Lake, uh, the largemouth will abandon their fry uh, very early on. So you got to be out there uh, taking advantage of it uh, quickly in the spring because they don't tend to hang out with their fry as long as some of the other lakes and some of the other states. Uh, traditionally, the bass would uh, spend a little more time with their young. They tend to abandon them pretty quickly for some reason. Interesting. And so the um, the bass fishing is, uh, now there's a number of docks out there, so I assume you fish some of those docks. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't target the docks as much as you might think. I don't, I like, I like the hard structure mixed with vegetation. So any hard rocky shoreline that has, uh, lily pads or cattail patches, uh, you know, coming off of it, any, a beaver dam inside of, uh, surrounded by cattails and lily pads. The columns or pilings that you mentioned earlier uh, that have growth on them, that, I, that have a small bush growing out of them, or uh, that have lily pads uh, near, near them seem far more productive than the ones that are just freestanding. Uh, uh, the east, very southeast side of the lake, there's a lot of uh, laydown trees that have fallen in the water over the years. These are huge trees, and uh, there's some uh, deeper spots in the six, six to ten foot range where these trees are, 80 foot trees are laying down in the water, and uh, it, it seems to be very productive uh, cover for them. Um, but yeah, it's very odd. You can be, you can drop your, your soft plastic creature bait on three or four pilings that are freestanding, you get you go to the next one, which has a small bush growing out of the top of it, 
and you drop it uh, right next to that one, and you get a, a bass that quick. So it's it, it. But I've also I've really gotten into uh, yellow plastic worms. I don't know why, but uh, now I'm really. It's I, I was previously on Silver Lake. I would never uh, use plastic worms. I would only use creature baits, but. Uh, I've really gotten, the last two years, I've really gotten into uh, yellow or chartreuse plastic worms. That's worked really good. Kind of just rigged wacky style so that you can let them drop and then switch them a couple times and then let them drop. And, again, if folks want to um, schedule a trip with you, um, phone number is 360-878-3099. And you can be found on Facebook at at Real Fun Fishing PNW. Perfect. Now, tell me a little bit about the equipment that you use, your boat, and type of rods and reels, that kind of thing. Well, I, I have an Aluma weld. I have a 24 foot Aluma weld, and as a matter of fact, sometime in December here, Aluma weld is supposed. Right now, it's on the production line, but I have a 26 foot Aluma weld being made right now um, with a. 225 Yamaha. I, I have a little bit easier time on the lake because I switch over to a jet uh, most of the time. Um, but I run a, um, a Minn Kota trolling motor. Um, most of my bass rods are 8 foot to 9 foot uh, medium heavy action for uh, you know, for what some people call punching. Um, or flipping and pitching, um, and just kind of a traditional bait casting reel. It could be a Daiwa, but uh, I do recommend heavy braid. At least uh, I primarily run 50-pound Power Pro, and I usually do uh, if I if I'm if I'm using a creature bait, I, I just tie the Power Pro direct to the jig. But if it's um, if I'm using the plastic worm, then I'll I usually run a 20-pound uh, fluorocarbon leader. Okay. And so now we've we've talked a lot about crappie fishing, bass fishing here for the last half hour or so. Now I was kind of clicking through your website as we as we were talking here. I was looking at some of the pictures and that kind of thing. And you've got a number of different uh, types of trips that you take. So give me a quick rundown of some of the some of the types of trips that you take and and how people can uh, get signed up. Is it too late for for salmon this year? And kind of give me the rest of your year, because we're in November now, so as this is being recorded. So kind of give me the, the rundown of the rest of, the year, rest of your year and when, when people can get, get on these different trips. Sure. Well, uh, each uh, season tends to overlap the next. So... Uh, October, November, December is traditionally coho salmon season. Um, And even into December a little bit, you can still get a few coho. And then right around December, we start focusing on crappie and uh, landlocked uh, sockeye, known as kokanee. Uh, We'll fish kokanee December through March. Uh, December also kicks off our catch-and-release sturgeon fishery on the Willamette River in downtown Portland, which is very popular. 
Um, and then right around mid-January, the winter steelhead start uh, showing up in decent numbers. So January, February, and March, we're usually bouncing between uh, winter steelhead, catch and release surgeon, and kokanee fishing. And then March 1st, uh, the spring kings start to show up on the Willamette. And so we kind of give up the kokanee fishing and start focusing on uh, spring king salmon and catch and release sturgeon. And uh, generally by June 1st, uh, it's May, about May 15th uh, through uh, August 1st, we do summer steelhead on the lower Columbia on AM outgoing tides. And then on non-morning outgoing tides, uh, we're either on the Nahalem, uh for king salmon and crab, or we're launching out of Tillamook Bay for offshore coho and Dungeness crab. And right around August 1st is the beginning of buoy 10 season for king salmon. And so we're traditionally uh, targeting uh, king salmon on the lower Columbia near Astoria in the month of August. And then September, we move up into the Upper Columbia, uh, right around Longview. And then uh, as the king salmon start to uh, phase out and the coho start to come in, we start focusing on coho in the smaller tributary rivers. So just about any kind of fishing you want to do, contact Captain Tony. I can tell you he's a hard guy to get a hold of when he's working. Uh, luckily, his lovely bride will take the call and, and get you set up uh, for a trip. So if you're looking for just about any kind of fishing up here in the Northwest, this is the guy to talk to. Now, but if you want to focus in on bass, you want to focus in on crappie, he's also the guy to talk to because I don't know of any other guides uh, up on Silver Lake. I know some other guides that, uh, that do other bodies of water, but uh, if you want a great trip, with a lot of a lot of catching, uh, crappie fishing is is uh, probably one of the best. So, uh, Tony, I really do appreciate you coming on, and I uh, I hope that uh, the rest of your season goes really well. Any last thoughts? No, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'll have to take a look at the calendar here, but I should. I, I we're all we're always giving away. Uh, Free veterans trips on our Facebook page, uh, and we're also we did a raffle recently, but I think we still have room for one more. So I'll try to send you uh, the Oregon Bass and Panthers Club um, uh, a date so that uh, you guys can get together uh, another group of folks for crappie in uh, January. Oh, that'd be great. The um, the club really appreciates that. Of course. Uh OBPC fishes for a lot of different things, warm water, so that, that they'd really enjoy that. Well, Tony, thank you for your time. And for show feedback, give me an email at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. Again, I will have Captain Tony's information in the show notes uh, for contacting him on Facebook and his website and his phone number. And this has been Don Clark, Talking Bass in PDX, and I'll see you on the backcast.